Welcome to Make a Yacht News Radio, the first and longest running podcast series dedicated to the large yacht industry. Hosted by Diane Byrne, the editor of MegaYachtNews.com, we feature conversations with engaging and inspiring people in yachting, from shipyard CEOs to designers, from yacht managers to young entrepreneurs, and yes, even owners. You'll learn how they got into yachting, how they're building better businesses, and especially how they're helping people like you get more enjoyment out of the yachting lifestyle. Welcome everyone to Mega Yacht News Radio. Today, my guest is Bob Dennison, who has been at the helm of Dennison Yacht Sales since 2002. Bob has a long personal and professional history in yachting, having held nearly every job from the shipyard floor to being a broker. While a lot of people in yachting, of course, have similar diverse experiences, Bob sets himself and his team apart due to strong interest in and understanding of creative management strategies, as well as internet marketing. This keen insight will shape a big part of our conversation today, which I am really eager to get started. So, Bob, welcome to Mega Yacht News Radio. Diane, thank you. So happy to be here and can't wait to uh, spend some time with you. Yeah, great. Let's get to it. So like I hinted, um, you've got a pretty interesting personal history in yachting, which anybody who's familiar with you or the Denison name, of course, would know. But for people who don't know your story, tell us about your early interest in yachting and your family experience. Sure. So my earliest memories uh, are are at a shipyard. Uh, My grandparents uh, owned a company called Broward Marine. And uh, after that, my parents started a company called Denison Marine. And so uh, earliest memories were hanging out at the shipyard, sort of wandering around, trying not to get hurt. Um, And uh, as I grew up, the idea of making a living uh, in the industry obviously started to take some shape. And uh, it was sort of a uh, probably equal portions obligation and passion. Um, And, uh, you know, I'm third generation and the idea of sort of carrying the torch fell on me as my older brother went on to do other things. And my little brother uh, at the time didn't have interest. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that's sort of how I got into this. Great. Now, unlike a, a number of people in yachting, <clears throat> oh, excuse me, I'm losing my voice this morning. Unlike a number of people in yachting, um, you haven't always worked in yachting. You actually took some time out and worked for um, two particular entrepreneurs, which I, I found pretty interesting, who influenced your interest in internet marketing and management. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that too? Yeah, sure. Uh, right out of college, uh, I went to a, a college here in Florida called University of Miami. After that, I went to work for a guy named Dave Parker, who, this is 1999. Uh, I think I was there f- until about, uh, for a few years, till about 2001. And he was one of those guys, especially locally here in South Florida, that really had a good handle on all things internet. Uh, we, of course, were not Silicon Valley uh, in Fort Lauderdale, but he was one of the leaders in that space here. And uh, I learned a lot from him and his team and uh, very much shaped not just an understanding of the internet, but also the user experience and why it's very, very important to uh, make websites something that are not complicated and make sure that they're easy, know your demographic and all that stuff. Uh, the, the things that I learned there really uh, shaped the way that I 
uh, to this day view how we market ourselves online and try to attract new clients on the internet. You know, you say that that really uh, influenced you a lot and it makes me think about what you did when COVID-19 hit. Obviously, a lot of companies had to pivot, but in in my view, you guys pivoted really quickly. You really adopted what I'd call a pivot or perish approach with the virtual boat shows that you launched. A number of companies, again, launched virtual boat shows and some were pretty successful. But what I saw was yours were very different from what anybody else did. There was very much a true experience from the consumer side. So how did you come up with your approach and what did it take to bring in all the different parties? Because you didn't just have a bunch of videos, you had people live from the insurance side, the brokerage side, all the different aspects. Yeah, so I can't take credit for the concept of a virtual boat show. We actually uh, were inspired by slash a nice way of saying stole the idea from Marine Max, who had actually completed a few virtual tours the year prior. Um, and I love the idea. And we started sort of building what our take on that would be, which as much as I liked and respected what they did, I didn't truly see it as like an event. It was more just an online gallery of um, boats and yachts that were for sale, which is very cool. But I didn't see it as really an event. And so uh, as much as I appreciated what they did, I thought we could put our own little spin on it. Uh, so kind of what you just described was very much, the, I don't know if I call it the centerpiece, but like it was a major component was having a live streaming all day conversation with people in the industry. Um, really, because that's uh, what we reflected on as being probably the most fun, like exciting part of a boat show is just the people that you meet. Of course, the, the boats and the yachts are incredibly important, but it's also the friends you bump in, into uh, other brokers, people in insurance, financing, old clients, people at shipyards, all that stuff kind of creates excitement at Boat Show. You don't know who's kind of around the next corner that you can learn something from. Uh, so that for us was a really, really important part of it. And uh, yeah, we were in a really good position because we already had a ton of videos and walkthroughs. This is now speaking to the other part of it where we were able to quickly pivot um, because we had those assets in play already. I think we probably at the time already had two or 300 virtual tours and video walkthroughs that it made. Uh, it just made it a little easier for us. We kind of had a head start on being able to launch it uh, because our team uh, led by a guy named Josh Ballas, who's our marketing director, really had uh, spent some time putting that stuff in place. And he was really the guy that birthed the our version of a virtual boat show. He's the one that really put the skin on the bones of that. Mm -hmm. And in terms of the reaction from the consumer side, did you find that you attracted some brand new people to yachting to the, especially the end that we're talking about the 80 foot plus market? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we definitely are uh, to this day, our, our traffic on our website, uh, all, all time highs. And what was kind of neat about it was at that time, there was a lot of interest in broader media on what are different industries doing to, um, you know, succeed in this lockdown environment. So it, we really benefited from uh, Forbes, from Robert, or from non-industry, uh, you know, CNBC, Fox News. There was a lot of um, interest in non-traditional kind of yachting outlets that uh, brought us in some attention from people that probably wouldn't have known about us otherwise. Mm -hmm. Great, great. You were talking about the traffic to your website. Traffic across the board, I know for us too, is much higher than it had been in prior years. So yachting is in a very good space 
right now in terms of interest and in terms of true interest too. It's not just the people popping on for a minute or two to look at the pretty pictures. Um, in terms of these new buyers and new charter customers who come in, um, they obviously have different needs and, and different questions than the more seasoned buyers and the more seasoned charterers. It's one thing to bring these new people in and show them what the possibilities are, but it's quite another thing to keep them in and to really take them by the hand and educate them. How are you and your team educating them? It's, it's quite a different conversation that needs to happen with them. Yeah, that's no, a really, really good question. I think uh, further to that, to that question and the broader um, concern for us as an industry is how good are we going to take care of those newcomers into our space? And that I think is really going to define uh, the next five to 10 years for our, our industry and specifically the firms that take excellent care of the newcomers and um, making a very comfortable space for new questions and different needs that come in from uh demographic that had never owned a boat before and just making that experience for them a really positive one is going to make or break uh, firms in the next five or 10 years. So, I mean, it's exciting. we got a lot of new people out on the water, but if they don't have a good, fun, stress-free experience, I don't care what kind of lockdown comes next. If there is one, they're getting the hell out unless they have an awesome experience. So we, we try to do that very consistently with how we uh, treat clients of any kind. We, uh, we like to say around here that really good customer service has to hurt a little bit. Um, and so I think that that definitely um, plays into this. I mean, a good client experience is really easy to talk about and it's really easy to attach it to some kind of mission or vision statement. But in real life, it might mean waking up an hour or two early, um, showing up to a boat way ahead of a client, helping the captain prepare the boat for a showing. Um, it could mean um, showing up unexpectedly with a nice gift uh, and in any way to just improve that client experience and make people very, very comfortable asking the quote unquote dumb questions, I think is really, really important. And it's, it's, it's also attached to a lot of honesty, right? So when people are looking at a yacht for the first time, um, it's important that they work with a broker that's willing to uh, have that conversation with them that this might not be the right boat for these few reasons. Um, and this is to the true operating cost, um, and to really tie them into a conversation with a yacht manager and make sure that people are soberly getting into this thing called Yannick with a full understanding of what it's going to cost. Um, yeah. So, and of course, a part of that is crew, um, making that, uh, experience a special one too, but it, it's a real team effort. It's not just the yacht broker. It's everybody involved in that journey of buying a yacht and then using a yacht, uh, just just to make sure that the, these newcomers have a really stress-free, fun time doing it. Mm -hmm. What are some of the questions that they're asking and, and some of the pain points they have that might be different compared to, say, 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago? Um, well, I mean, I think you have a lot of people, especially nowadays, that are, are still looking to a boat or a yacht uh, as a place to live aboard and work aboard um, full-time. Um, so we're seeing more people using their boat or yacht, a uh, higher percentage of than what would have been in the past. And of course, some of that relates to the pandemic. Some of it relates to just new people being on the water and they're really, really excited about it. Um, but things like connectivity and making sure that they can get a good Wi-Fi signal wherever they are um, is becoming obviously more and more part of the conversation, not just for the, I need my kids to download uh 
the latest season of whatever or I want to watch the game, but it's also I need to work for three, four, five, sometimes eight, nine, ten hours a day, and I need to make sure that I can do that effectively. So um, providing solutions for that is really, really important. And then the other parts of it is just what we spoke to a little bit before, which is the I don't know what I'm getting into. Will you please give me an honest idea of what I'm going to be uh, spending in terms of an operating budget this upcoming year on this X? YZ yacht. Um, so uh, I, I believe it's really important as a brokerage community to really bring in a yacht manager to help with those conversations and a yacht manager that's not a good salesperson, but just a yacht manager that's very, uh, very thorough and very honest about here are all the things you may not have thought about that will affect the cost of owning a yacht. Mm-hmm. Right. It is important to bring those people in for sure. There's There are plenty of stories where you hear um, a brokerage company or a yacht manager or some other person means well, of course, they want to support this person, they want to encourage this person. But if they don't tell them no quite enough, you can't always say yes or say, oh, no problem, we'll make it work. Not right. everything is going to be perfect. So you really do need to be able to be assertive and say to that person, no, here's why it's really not a good idea. And hopefully they're going to listen to you. But you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's their choice. But as long as the, the right people are saying no at the right times, they're really doing the, the proper education. Yeah, you're 100% right. And I think sometimes, too, we get scared that if an owner knows exactly how much it's going to cost or a, a potential owner that they might not do it. And, and the, the reality is uh, most people in that category of wealth and most people that are looking to buy a yacht can afford all of it. Uh, but they really just want to know what they're getting into. Um, and so very rarely will it scare somebody out of it, but later you can really break a relationship if you're not transparent in a way that gives them full visibility on what the true cost of owning a yacht is. Right. Along those same lines, in terms of the, the cost of owning, when it comes to how people are shopping, so to speak, for the boats these days, I know you've done a few transactions with cryptocurrency, and I find that absolutely fascinating because if somebody had said to me five years ago, that this would be a reality, I would have said, I don't think so. I don't think that's going to really be part of our industry because it's so traditional. So how did you end up getting into it? Did you start exploring it on your own or did a customer approach you and ask about it? No, it was actually, it was, it was back in 2014, which I I guess is around seven years ago now. Um, we decided to uh, make Yacht buying, uh, you know, happened with cryptocurrency at the time it was just Bitcoin. Um, at that exact same time, we also, uh, I, I jumped on a plane and flew to Hong Kong to open up a bank account there, uh, because I wanted to open up at the time it was the only place that you could do it. Um, there was an HSBC product out of Hong Kong where, which would allow clients to deposit an escrow in their local currency. I think it offered like 30 local currencies. Um, so you could deposit in, euro uh, on a US dollar boat and not have to worry about the currency game. Uh, and that was just to make the yacht buying experience easier, right? So the crypto part was just the same thing. It was an extension of something we were doing already, uh, which is very much in our DNA is just to try to creatively think of ways to make the yacht buying process as easy as possible for people and to kind of go where they are as opposed to saying, here's our wiring instructions. It must be in US dollars. And here's how you have to do it. We like to be more flexible and creative in how we we work with people. So, but the Bitcoin thing was a part of that. Um, it was in 2014 that we set ourselves up to be able to very effectively and legally uh, take care of a transaction like that. It took us about a year or two before one actually happened, 
we had a number of inquiries during that time. And uh, our first one happened uh, in 2015, late 2015, maybe early 2016. Uh, and since then, we've actually done six more transactions, uh, including two over $10 million. So it's been a very... Uh, when you look at the number of transactions we've done over the last six, seven years, the total number of seven isn't that big of a deal. Uh, but I'm very proud of that number because it just reflects what we're trying to do consistently, which is is to provide an easy experience for people that are buying a boat. Mm-hmm. And it's seven more than some other companies have done too. So it's proof yep. of concept. Yeah. yeah. And we've, we've actually chartered two um, yachts as well. So if you take a look at the seven purchases plus two charters, we're almost to 10. Um, and I, I think you'll be seeing more and more and more of that. And so as of today, we can actually take Bitcoin or Ethereum uh, as well as Bitcoin Cash and Dogecoin. Um, so we're going to be expanding uh, that and it's less of a gimmicky thing, which I've, I've gotten that chatter from a few of my competitors and much more just to, and like I said before, an extension of just trying to make things a hell of a lot easier for people that are buying a boat. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned charter. I definitely want to talk about charter too, because there's big changes going on in the charter world for sure, especially with the pandemic, even before the pandemic, but I think definitely driven by the pandemic there's definitely a feeling that people are looking to go to different places and and truly cover this big blue marble that we all live on. Um, From the media side, of course, we're always talking about the emerging destinations and the fascination with Antarctica, for example, or going to Greenland, et cetera. Is that truly the reality, though, from where you sit with the customers? Are they really asking about these different destinations? Yeah, I mean, they are, but it's it, it actually is very closely connected to the conversation we just had about crypto. It's fun and exciting to talk about, for sure. And it makes for great cocktail conversation, and it is happening in real life. But the vast majority of transactions are still in U.S. dollar or euro. The same with charter. The vast majority of charters are still what we call in the industry sort of that milk run between the Caribbean, uh, Bahamas, and the Met. That still represents a huge chunk of charter to this day. Uh, And, of course, we're seeing that expand out a little bit to exactly the places that you're talking about. I, I maybe would add Alaska to that or Southeast Asia. Um, but the bulk of, I, I think I could speak for almost every single retail charter broker on the planet, the bulk of inquiries and the bulk of real charters being booked are still a part of that milk run uh, list of destinations. And is that still driven by people who are just in love with those destinations or is it being driven by the people who are new to charter? Yeah, I think both. I think, um, I mean, both of those places, it's, it's like at some point becomes when you're in the industry and you go to these places more than five or six or seven times, it becomes, I hate to say it, like we're just way too familiar, but the Bahamas and the Caribbean, you go to St. Tal, like these places are absolutely spectacular. And the same in the med, you look at any, it's just an amazing part of our planet. Um, and they're also set up so well infrastructurally and the captain's familiarity with the dock masters and provisioning and all the things that it takes to make a charter experience a really, really good one outside of where you are, but how you're doing it. Uh, those places do a really good job of making that easy. Um, so yeah, I would say it's both. Um, I think the more adventurous charters are probably those that have done those destinations so many times that they're really kind of itching for something new. Uh, but we've had plenty of clients book 10, 12, 13, almost 15 times to the same places just because they're they're madly in love with the people there and they're madly in love with the things that they see there. Yeah. 
there's there's a real comfort that comes from seeing the same faces and going to the same restaurants and beaches and and I'm, I would also think that from the standpoint of the people who are becoming the parents and the grandparents, it's introducing the younger members of their family to the places that they've just loved for the past decade or so and, and kind of seeing it through fresh eyes. That's such a good point. I, I, I think you described, and I had never really thought of it that way, but I have, so I have four little kids and the idea of taking them to the magic kingdom up in Orlando at D- Disney world is unbelievable. I've been there. I don't know, whatever, dozens of times myself, but to experience going on some of those rides, like it's a small world with a four-year-old that's never, it's absolutely incredible. So I, I think that speaks to exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. What about that aspect of family? Is that a big trend in terms of the, the chartering and the buying activity? That that seems to be what's going on in my conversations with the builders and charter brokers. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and it's just, it's kind of salacious when you go on TMZ or any of these other sites and it's fun for the broader public to see a photo of whatever, you know, Beyonce on the back of a boat with a glass of champagne. It's kind of, but the vast majority of people chartering boats and using yachts are families. And it's just because, uh, and I, this is just a shameless plug for boating in general, I guess, but like a boat being, I don't care what size boat or yacht you're on is a place where your kids are going to be way less likely to pick up their cell phone. So it's, or your, your wife or your husband. Um, and so being on a yacht is just a really neat place to hang out with each other, spend time with the people that you love, uh, without the screen time and also just the environment that you're in and in and out of the water and all that stuff. So yeah, vast, vast majority of yacht charters. And I would say even new construction and yacht, uh, buying is, uh, going to be, uh, with a family, um, and using that yacht as a tool to just bring people together. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, Bob, it's been great having you on Mega Yacht News Radio today. Thanks so much for sharing your personal story and your insight into what's going on and how you guys are trying to set yourselves apart. It's been really exciting watching it from my standpoint, and I could definitely say I can't wait to see what you've got up your sleeve next. Oh, thank you very, very much, Diane. I appreciate you having me on. It was an honor and a lot of fun to hang out with you. Everyone, if you'd like to learn more about what Bob and his team are doing, you can visit their website, which is Denison Yacht Sales. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Diane Byrne. That wraps up this episode of Mega Yacht News Radio. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, please share the word on social media. And subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Audible, iHeartRadio, or Spotify. And, of course, to learn more about what's going on in the world of large yacht cruising, new construction, and design, check out our daily updated website, the award-winning MegaYachtNews.com.